Welcome to Ahead of the Game, a podcast brought to you by the Digital Marketing Institute. I'm your host, Will Francis, and today we'll be talking to Emmerich Ernu, founder and CEO of the well-known social media management suite Agora Pulse. In a crowded space, they're up against Hootsuite, Sprout Social, Buffer, and more, but they differentiate through a focus on ROI. And that's one of the things we get asked about the most here at the DMI. What's the point of social? How do we measure success these days? And how do we explain that to our non-marketing colleagues and stakeholders? Well, we're going to talk about that and lots more. Emmerich, welcome to the podcast. Will, that was an amazing intro. I could never do such a great intro. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> very clear. Very, you didn't stumble on anything. Perfect. Uh, you got Thanks, that man. right. Yeah. That means a lot coming from you. Because um, you have your own podcast as well, don't you? I do. Yeah, I do. I actually love podcasts as a, as a media. I think uh, I consume a lot of it. That's probably why. I yeah. exercise a lot and uh podcast is my is my go to you know my learning method yeah. where, while I'm at the gym <laughs> while I commute as well while I travel so yeah it's a media I enjoy uh, consuming um your podcast is actually called social media ROI ROI hot seat yeah yeah is. exactly yeah. yeah um so i mean it might be an obvious question but what you do talk about mostly on that oh, i i i try to understand how brands, agencies, businesses measure the business impact of what they do on social media. That's that's what I'm passionate about. Interesting. Well, I'm yeah. going to be asking you plenty about that as we go on. There you um, go. Before we start, just give us a quick overview of where you and the product are at and sort of how you got here. Mm-hmm. Well, how I got here is a very long story, Will. You probably don't want to spend uh, that much time on it. <laughs> I'd love, I'd love an, I'd love an overview. It'd be great to just overview. hear a little bit about that. Yeah, that, that you want a one-minute or a three-minute overview? Let me calibrate. What that <laughs> the three-minute yeah. version's fine. Three you know, version. That's why we've got the hour to okay. to chat. You so, know. Yeah, I uh, I'm a business lawyer by trade, M and A lawyer. Back in 1996-97, I started my first business with my co-founder Ben in July of 2000 and uh, we started, it was a SaaS business already. It was software, it was SaaS, software as a service. And uh, it was community, not social media. It became social media, but it was a SaaS for communities already then, back then. Too early, 2000, uh, wrong country, wrong language uh, in French and in France. Uh, It should have been in the US because that was the only country advanced enough at the time to welcome a new concept of building communities online. Um, struggle with that for 10 years. And after 10 years, tumble upon um, contest and promotion on Facebook, if I can put it this way, and started to create contests and promotions on Facebook, bespoke and sell them, you know, piece by piece, like 10K, 12K, 15K a piece. Became a very, very challenging, uh, highly competitive space. Um, we saw a company in the US starting up with the same concept where you can actually build your own contest and promotion and photo contest and quiz on Facebook with a starting price of 99 a month, something like that. My co-founder and I saw that. That's exactly what we want to do. We hate service. So we moved from a service business of building contests and promotions on Facebook for, for brands to a software business where you could build your own, basically. And that, that's how Agorpos was born in uh, um, September of 20, 2011. And that was back Very in good. the days of Facebook apps. That's what we called it was them, wasn't the it? Facebook app. Yeah, craziness, mm. which is completely gone today, which is incredible to me that this industry as a whole has disappeared, yeah. um, it, which always reminds you that the world changes and you have to adapt to it, not the other way around. And... Um, we quickly realized that those apps were very bad business because people come in, they start a contest, they run it for a month or two months and they stop and then they don't need your software anymore. So the churn on the software, churn being, you know, the percentage of people who cancel their subscription to your software every month was very, very high. And we quickly realized that we wouldn't grow to the level we wanted to grow the business to with that kind of business model. So we looked at what was out there and out there, there was already Hootsuite and Buffer in, in 2011 and uh, early 2012. And we thought those are used by daily by the community managers, not yet called social media managers. They were mostly called community managers at the time. And that's what we need to build. We need to build a tool that someone in the company is using every day. Because if, if what you build is not used by a job in the company on a daily basis, then your business model is probably at risk. So we pivoted to that. 
uh, knowing that we were bootstrapped, we didn't raise money. So it took us a long time to get to a place where we had enough social networks coverage. We had enough feature coverage, like publishing and inbox management and measuring and analytics and all the whole, the, the whole nine yards of what a social media management software should do. And we got there around 2014. So it took us a good two years, solid. And, um, 2014, uh, at the end of 2014, things were starting to get interesting. And, uh, end of 2015, we broke even, uh, with a hundred thousand euros of revenue, monthly revenue nice. and a uh, hundred thousand euros of expense. So like breaking mm-hmm. even. And from there, we grew very nicely. Uh, to today, 21 million uh, annual recurring revenue and 175 employees and uh, still plenty of challenges, uh, plenty of um, uh, things we'd like to do. We can't do yet because we're still bootstrapped. We still haven't raised money. So we're still financing our growth with our customers' money, which obviously, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't use the word it is slow. I'd say it's reasonable. <laughs> so you're, you're not wow. doing anything crazy. And uh, that means that you're not wasting too much. But also sometimes you like to go faster and you cannot. So you have to be patient, which is for an entrepreneur is a very hard thing to be. But uh, that's the story. I think it was a bit more than three minutes, maybe four and a half. But, no, uh, that's really good. That was a really good overview. Um, I'm curious about the fact that you've not taken any investment. That's really interesting. What's What's behind that decision? Uh, nobody would ever invest in us. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I'm uh, completely truthful. I have no philosophy on taking external money. If you, if, if that's the thing you need to do to grow your business because your business is capital intensive, go ahead and do it. Um, we tried several times and we failed. And, and when we could, when we could, because our business was sexy, then we had plenty of VCs coming to us and say, Hey, yeah. can we talk? And we talk and we talk. But by, by, by then, I didn't need, I didn't want or need to take money because I didn't see the need for it. So we said, we basically turned all those down. Um, You should raise money if, first of all, you have no other choice. Like if you're Elon Musk and you're trying to send um, um, uh, rockets in the, in in space, you need to raise money because rockets cost money (laughs) and you'll have to try four times before you can actually make one land back and like, so there is cap, it's very capital intensive. So you have to raise money. Some businesses forces you to raise money. So that's reason number one. And reason number two is because you find, you found a go to market engine that is efficient, that works really well, but that needs capital injection to grow faster. And that is something we've never found. So what are these go to market engines? They're usually paid advertising. The more ad you run, the more revenue you make. And, but you have to invest in the ad and the, and the, the recovering of that. Expense is going to take six, eight, nine, twelve months, whatever that is, mm-hmm. and uh, that that calls for an investment because the investment after twelve months is is highly profitable. But you have to fund those twelve months of investing into the ad before you get the money back and the profit back. And uh, we've never found a way to make advertising be profitable for us. So that's something that could not allow us to raise money on and the other um the other um uh, go to market engine usually is sales driven market engine is you know you add sales and sdrs yeah. sales development representatives or bdr business development present and you add those layers of sales motion and they they keep cranking more and more and more customers for you but you have to invest invest in their training and their hiring and yeah. their onboarding as they become um, uh, profitable for you, but the first six months they are not. And that's, it's almost the same mechanism as advertising. There is a, a time where you have to invest and then there's a time where you can harvest and, yeah. and, and you need to finance the, the cap between the two. And that's where raising money makes sense. So we are learning the sales part, but we're not efficient there. So raising money for that wouldn't, wouldn't work either. So that's why we'd never raise money when we were able to, because our business was sexy enough and profitable enough. Yeah, that's really interesting. That that's great, um, and great to still own the company, right? You know, essentially, you yeah, know, you've not had to give equity day, to investors. It's true, but at the end of the day, uh, I know I know almost no investors who want to run the company in in in, in your place. Where mm. you know investors are here to invest, not to run companies, because true. if they were, then they would be running companies and not investing yeah. in them. Yeah, and most of them, if not. 99% of them, when they are going to a place where they are firing the founders and, and, and trying to run things themselves or find other CEOs, it's really it's usually that 
things came to an extreme that was very unpleasant and inefficient, and they had to come to that. But most investors I know are very happy with you, the founders, yeah. run your own business in an efficient manner. Yeah. Um, so whether or not you own or don't own, normally if you're doing your, your job correctly and if you're maintaining healthy and good communication with the people in your cap, in your cap table, you should stay in, in charge. You sh- you know, there's yeah. no reason why you shouldn't. Um, great. Well, you clearly love your job. Um, <laughs> why, why did you say that? <laughs> no, no, um, no. You, you must because you know you, you still you, you've you've been going a long yeah. time and and thriving and doing really well over these years. Um, that's that's really interesting. I'll ask you more about that for sure. Mm. Um, but thinking about back to sort of social media. Mm. Um, you know, so I feel like social media has changed a lot. I mean, your product has had to adapt to that um, in various ways. Um, in the last 15 years, it's been on this journey. And unfortunately, some people in, in marketing still think it's 2012. But um, what, 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 how, would you, how would you describe that kind of evolution of social media over the last 15 years and, and where we're at now with it? Yeah, well... The evolution of social media in, in, in the past in the past decade is exactly following the trend of the evolution of marketing in the past decade or two decades. Mm. Marketing two decades ago is very easy. TV and banners, and, you know, and, and like <laughs> highway highway billboards and, and radio. Maybe that's that's you know maybe movie was two percent. I don't know like what, what what was the weight of movie advertising, but. Direct mail. My, my my dad was a marketer in direct mail. Like he was mm. basically sending snail mail to customers of yeah. um, um, uh, catalog business. And it was, how many channels did we have back then? You know, five, six, maybe ten at most. Mm. So things were more were much more simple. Um, marketing has become incredibly complex in 2024. Not only social media. It's everything. It's multi multiplicity of channels, multiplicity of sub channels of of different way to access. Like think about Facebook as uh, Facebook meta advertising as a channel, for example. Like what do you have? You have video and reels and multiple photos and 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 yeah. and, and add to Messenger. Like the channels they have themselves inside one social network is already in the dozen. So, and it's just yeah. one social network. And then you add all the other social networks and then you add all the other digital um, uh, assets that you can, you, can, you can advertise on. You got all the media, all the, all the digital media on top of the, 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 the paper media or the TV media or the radio. The level of complexity is through the roof and, and social networks are exactly following the same complexity, you know, complexity mm-hmm. growth. And the difficulty for us marketers now is is to filter, th- is to triage through the noise and to say, okay, what do I focus on? And the tendency that we have, all of us, because it's a human tendency, is to try too many things and spread ourselves too thin, True. too often, more often than not. And I, I'd say that's the one thing I'm struggling with the most um, uh, these days and fighting against the most. Yeah, there's always just a million things you could be doing. That's think that I think that's something that sort of drives a lot of stress and anxiety and maybe even burnout in marketing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, I do feel like when I first got into marketing nearly twenty years ago, it was simpler. It was kind of maybe it was easier. I don't know if I've just got this romantic rose tinted view of it now, but Probably. it 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 felt like it was a bit easy because you just put stuff on the internet and mm. people flocked to it. You didn't mm. really have to try very hard. Mm. Whereas today, most content just goes unseen and uncared about, right? Mm. Because of obviously the the fact that everything is so saturated and the algorithms just take the cream mm. of content, show that to keep people on their platforms and kind mm. of flush everything else down the toilet. Um, so yeah, I do sympathize with the modern marketer mm. um, for sure. So thinking about that, what, I mean, what when you see people, when you meet marketers, you see them using your platform, like what challenges do you think are present for social media marketers now that weren't really a problem 5, 10, 15 years ago? Um, well, the, the, the number one challenge I see and I hear over and over again is the, the perception of their work by their customers, either an agency or by their boss or mm-hmm. by the other teams that they're doing that internally. And that that has remained the main challenge for marketers who work on social media for since since I started to work on social media. 
in the early days, if, if I don't know if you recall that, but in the early days, you know, people almost made fun of that profession. They're just spending their days on Facebook. They're having fun. They're having a good time. Every time I walk by them, you know, behind their their desk, I look at their screen. They're on Facebook, typing some funny message, whatever. It was already in the early 2010s um, um, yeah. a, a difficult job to have because it was not. It was not. I, I wouldn't say it was not legit, but it was not perceived as as legit as right. someone who's running ads or someone who's writing copy for emails or someone who's writing blog posts and content, so on and so forth. So that that challenge has not changed. It's still there. Now people are not. Now people understand social networks. They understand the complexity. They understand that it's it's not an easy job. So they don't make they don't make the same jokes that they make in 2011 or 2012 about the the, the marketers who do that. But they still struggle to see. Okay, what are you getting? You're getting likes. Yeah, whatever. You know, like they. So there's still that challenge about what is the value of what you do really. I mean. Uh, apart from fancy memes and um uh, you know we we spend we spend time or money or both on editing amazing videos for you to post on social media but what's the point like it's it's, it's a there's a cost a human cost a time cost or a money cost and is it really worth it or shouldn't we just do put all our money on google ads or linkedin ads or 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 in, in something else like a different type of activity or channel so that is still number one in in my opinion number two is is like we just mentioned earlier the complexity it is more and more complex so if you're a social media manager in in 2024 you have to um uh, think about twice as many platforms as you had in 2012 and uh, on these platforms probably three times as many different formats like uh, vertical video, horizontal video and multiple photos and PDF on LinkedIn. And, and yeah, so it is the, com- the complexity is definitely a big, a big, a big one. Hello, a quick reminder from me that if you're enjoying our podcast series, why not become a member of the DMI so that you can enjoy loads more content from webinars and case studies to toolkits and more real life insights from the world of digital marketing. Head to digitalmarketinginstitute.com forward slash ahead of the game to sign up for free. Now back to the podcast. What do you make of the current landscape? So I'm thinking about obviously the rise of TikTok in the last few years. I mean, firstly, just let's take that. Like, what impact do you think that has had? Uh, you know, at the end of the day, what, what is social media marketing is producing content that is going to be seen where people spend their time on where the people you want to touch spend their time on the, on the web and uh and that you know that can be tiktok for some um it can be youtube for others can be meta still for many can be uh pinterest if you are for example in in home improvement and you're not on pinterest you're probably losing a lot of opportunities and and possibilities there um, so you have to understand what your business does and where your your crowd hang out and and, and be very focused on that. Um, because if you spread yourself, if I go do a TikTok strategy, invest a ton of money on a TikTok strategy, I'm probably going to lose a lot of money and time yeah. because my crowd maybe is on TikTok, but it's not guaranteed. And there's also so much more noise on TikTok that I'm not sure I'm going to touch my crowd. So I need to focus on where do I touch my crowd with the most efficient way and just be very, very, very laser focused on that. So the change forces you to focus, if I can, if I can summarize this. Um, and, and do, yeah, there's always opportunities to seize where a new, where a new social network emerges. But there's always a cost at seizing new opportunities. And that cost is your time and attention that gets diverted to something else um, that may not be what you actually should be doing right now. So, Yeah, it seems to me that turning up and doing a sort of 70% good job with the content is... Um, you know, you're still short of the line. And it's like, you kind of have to turn up and really smash it. It has to be 95% plus good, right? And so if you spread yourself even just a little bit thin and you're turning up and the content's okay, but it's not great, ultimately the whole thing's kind of a waste of time, right? Whereas if you just say, no, we're not going to be on six different platforms. We're just going to be in these two places. We're just going to post this many times a week. But every time we do it's going to have that quality that cuts through and gets cherry picked by the algorithm. Right. 
you summarized it so well, Will. That's exactly what I told my team when I took over marketing in October. I said quality over quantity every time, every yeah. single time. Because if you get amazing quality out there once a month, your outcome is going to be so much better than if you get 10 quantity uh, right. a month that nobody cares about because it, it's like all the others they've already consumed in the past. So it is absolutely crucial to spend all your time on producing that amazing piece that's going to make everybody feel like, whoa, that's interesting. Yeah. I've never seen that before. Tell me more. If you don't trigger that, then your marketing's worthless. True. Um, I have to ask you what you think about threads. What, where do you think that's going? I don't think about threads. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's exactly that. I don't think about threads. For me, threads does not even exist yet. Interesting. In my world. Uh, in my wor in my marketing world of a, of a marketer, I don't even look at it for now. And, um, yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, I'm I get I, asked I'm not about saying it, it's but... a bad idea. It's a bad product. Um, I just don't have no. time, and I know that paying attention to thread would completely divert my um, my attention from what really matters in the business. And yeah. I've I've seen competitors of ours, you know, three three weeks after or 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 a month after threads was launched, like we're, we now have threads. Yeah. Why? You know, I, as an entrepreneur, I would never do that because, um, I would let thread prove to the world that it's, you know, there's usage, there's, there's a crowd, there's an audience, there's, a, there's, there's a need from the brands that we serve. And, uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't anticipate that need because I don't think that's a good strategy as an entrepreneur and as a user, um, um, thread does not, so thread is an alternative to Twitter. Oh, sorry. Thread is an alternative to X. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> um, and, uh, X is, is not big in our, in our business. It's, it's a very small, um, it's a very small portion of usage in, on, yeah. so, on social networks and brands are not very active on X. Um, I think it's more for a different type of user, probably more individual, individual type of users, which are not customers, yeah. good customers for us. So I'm not going to invest in the alternative of something that's not uh, the, the, the majority of our usage already. It's funny that, isn't it? Um, I think people have this idea with social media that it's like a fire and you kind of, like with threads, you know, it, you kind of think, well, if it is going to take off, I kind of need to keep the fire just burning in some way so that, you know, I'm prepared for if it does become popular. But as you say, that's, I mean, it's not like that at all, is it? You, no. you can you can just completely ignore it yeah, and I just agree. walk in the minute it's popular. Mm. And if you turn up with the right content and the algorithm does its job and, you know, you maybe signal that to your audience in other places, then great. But mm. until then... You're right. It's just taking time from what we're all busy anyway. So we've not got a lot of spare time and it's just taking that time from um, creating the kind of high quality that we're trying to push through with really. The analogy I would take is like, it's like playing lottery. You know, do you play lottery to make a living? No, True. you don't. No, you work hard to make a living. Uh, sometimes you play lottery, but you know deep inside that you have one chance out of a billion to, or or hundred millions. I don't know whether what what are the odds of winning the lottery, but they're not great. No. Yes, not. if thread becomes amazing, there will be a dozen or two dozens of people who luckily were there in the first, and they build an audience in an easy way because they were there early, and then they'll become you know very very well known. Like there will be a Mr. another Mr. Beast on thread if thread mm. becomes huge. But how many Mr. Beasts are there out there? 20, 30? How many creators are on YouTube? Millions, <laughs> probably. So if you base your strategy on winning the lottery, yeah, you can try that. And every time there's something new coming up, go in and go all in and create content for that. But you, you know for a fact that it's going to be a lottery ticket. And I, you know, when you're a business owner, you don't play lottery. You play hard work. Right, so you you haven't diverted your entire development team onto tapping into the Threads no, API, not yet. <laughs> right? Um, and just actually, just out of interest, just out, tell me a little bit more about the product. Um, so it's um, just describe it in short, in short, what it does and what platforms you do actually connect to. Yeah, so <clears throat> we connect with Meta, Facebook, and Instagram. Um, soon WhatsApp, but not yet. 
Mm. We connect with X. Um, we connect with LinkedIn, personal pages and, and uh, business pages. We connect with Pinterest. Uh, we connect with TikTok. And uh, we connect with YouTube. So it's almost all social networks. Yep. Um, again, the only one that we don't yet have that I'd like to add is WhatsApp. But once we'll have WhatsApp, I don't see anything else that makes sense. Cool except maybe um, uh, review platform. So that is definitely something we're looking at. Uh, we already have uh, Google My Business. Yeah, I forgot Google My Business also. Mm. We, we connect yeah. with that as well. So we have Google My Business reviews and Facebook reviews. And I, you know, we, we probably want to look at other type of review because I, I see review sites as social networks. That's what they are. It's people going in and expressing their opinion on something. And yeah. you having a conversation with them, you know, thank you, sorry, I I apologize, you had a bad experience with my product, I'm so happy you got a good experience with my product, but that's what it is, it's exactly the same as posting something and having a conversation. I agree, I think loads of businesses totally overlook Google reviews and mm. like to overlook spending their time there, responding, yeah. posting updates from their Google My Business page and... Um, but, yeah, they probably get more visibility doing that than they do on most social networks, but... Yeah, creepy, um, yeah. Um, so, okay. And it's, it's scheduling management and analytics. Yeah, exactly. Scheduling content with like, I, I, it would take an hour to go through all the options that you have. Course, there are a lot but, of options. It's very, yeah. very complex. Um, um, managing the conversations, so the private messages, the direct messages and the comments and, and the reviews, like we said, so you can, you can go and have everything centralized and not miss anything nice. and make sure that you're responding to everything when it's, when it's, uh, um, asking for a response. There's also a listening component. Of what are people saying? Who is mentioning oh, yeah. me? Who is mentioning my competitors? Who is mentioning my product? Like so, and then then you can see stats and analytics. And have, soon we have a you know, soon sentiment about all these mentions about you and keywords. We have web listening also that's going to come up in, in in Q2. So all that listening component nice. is also there. And then there's the analytics component. Is it working? What is working in terms of engagement, yeah. in terms of um, uh, reach and impressions, but also in terms of conversion and web traffic creation and revenue creation. So that's where the business impact gets into the picture. So that's the, 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 the fourth component. So nice. publishing, engagement management, listening and, and, and uh, listening measurement and efficiency of um, uh uh, and, and sentiment of what is being said about topics that matter to me or my competition and measuring how is it how is it working nice is there, is there a certain type of business particularly that uses uh, agora pulse or is it anyone? yeah there's no there's no there are industries that are more present like retail is one of them hospitality yeah. is one of them agencies yeah. are one of them uh, we have a lot of governments and public entities because they they in, in this day and age, they cannot ignore the people's voice. So they have to be present and engage with them where they are. So like they're actually public, the public sector is a, is a big user of social media mm. uh, in every country that we are present in. And, um, uh, what, 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 where we have a real, really good fit is when the complexity we solve is really, really high. So the smaller the business, the, the, the lighter the complexity. If you're a small business and you have one Facebook page with a message every month and a comment every week, you know, you probably don't need a tool. You probably just, you probably can ignore social media all, all entirely. Mm -hmm. And, and if you, if you don't want to ignore it, you probably can go native on the platform and, and respond and check whatever and, and, and schedule from the, the, the free tools offered by the platforms. Uh, because the level of complexity and benefit that you get from social network is, is tiny. So there's no mm -hmm. need to invest in anything. If you are a multinational company with, um, you know, 10 different subsidiaries, each of them having five different product lines, each of those product lines having one Facebook page, one Instagram account, one X account, and then and, and each subsidiary having one LinkedIn page for their local business, for HR purposes, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Then you end up with, you know, 70, 80, 100, sometimes three, six, 600 social profiles yeah. to manage with a whole team speaking different languages in different time zones. That is usually chaotic. And if you don't have a tool in that kind of setup, you're absolutely dead. So our best customers, they look like this latter customer. Uh, yeah. But we, we have all, all color, shades of color in, in, mm. in, in, in between. Um, yes. And so uh, you, and you've, you've decided to kind of lean into the analytics bit. Um, and funnily enough, this week I was uh, delivering a workshop because that's, that's my main job is what I do. Mm -hmm. 
um, I was delivering a workshop, and one of my delegates uses Agora Pulse, and she, and I was I was like, oh yeah, I'm speaking to Emmerich on this podcast, you know, on Friday, and and I know it's they sort of lean towards the analytics bit, and she said, oh, it's great, hmm. I really love that about it. That's why we use it, um, uh, because of the just very clear and simple and easy. That's hmm. how she kind of framed it, um, yeah. analytics side of it. So easy um, is important. People undervalue easy. You know, Charlie yeah. Munger, who died two, three weeks ago, that was yeah. one of his, of his life principle. He, always mm. easy versus complex, simple versus complex. So it's, it's, it's crucial for us to build a product that people find easy to use. And, and why uh, is there that focus? I mean, it's an obvious question, I know, but why? what's behind your focus on th that particular aspect, the ROI aspect of social media marketing? Uh, the the particular focus on the ROI aspect of social media marketing came from that those those dozens and dozens of conversations with marketers who, who had yeah. this question. Like I'm I'm constantly challenged on why am I doing what I am doing. I know, I know it's important. I know I have to do it. I know it brings value, but I can't prove it. And when I've heard that dozens and dozens of times, I say, we have to help them. Uh, we have to help them come up with something that, that will be a universal truth that everybody will feel like, oh, okay, well, great job. Yeah, good. I didn't, I didn't realize you were generating that much value for the business. So it, it all came from that. We want to help our community, which is the community of marketers who are working on social media, and we identify this as the best way to help them. Obviously, solving the chaos, giving them all the tools, making them do things in 10 minutes where it took them two hours, all that's great. But when you look at all that, we're not that different on paper than the competition. And, and we thought that one thing the competition was not addressing is helping them prove that what they're doing is valuable. Cool. Well, let's talk about ROI. Um, I've got a few questions for you about that. So I just want to know what your sort of current view on the most important social media metrics are, because the, the way I see it, there's this kind of there's a bit of a war on outbound links across the platforms. They're really deprioritizing that. So, you know, the, the bottom of the funnel stuff, unless you're paying for ads, the bottom mm. of the funnel stuff is um, harder. So is it am I right in thinking it's more the top half of the funnel where we're driving business value with social? You mean the links? Oh, I mean, just in in terms of measuring, you know, in terms of measuring your social media activity, mm. is are the metrics that matter things like reach, awareness, engagement, as opposed yeah. to clicks and conversions, because those things are harder than ever to drive. I mean, those are metrics that matter because you cannot create any business value if nobody sees what you're doing. Mm. It start it all starts there. Like when you think about it, if there is no reach and no impressions for your social media content whether you pay for it or it's all organic your social media content is not worth creating <laughs> it's it's as simple as that so obviously you do want to follow the metrics of is it being seen like are people consuming it and and in 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 many networks especially meta it's it's harder and harder because you you're competing with a lot of people so maybe you yeah. want to pay for some of that you have the post boosting so you can still do organic stuff and decide to put some some euros or pounds or 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 dollars behind behind the the organic content that you're creating but you you need to see visibility. If there's no visibility, then there's no need. Like if you're writing blog posts and and it's not SEO optimized, and nobody ever find out about your blog post because because they can't they, they won't see it in search, or they won't search for it because nobody cares about what you wrote in terms of SEO searches, or you're not promoting them like you know take it all the way you want, then the the blog post was not worth writing. The same thing on social media. Once you get the reach, once you get the impressions, once you get the visibility for the social content that you put out there, then yeah, now comes the, okay, what is that visibility giving me? Is it giving me the right people? Is it, is it giving me the right behaviors? Is it giving me traffic? Is it giving me recognition? And it's okay to do social for, for being recognized and not necessarily for driving traffic to buying something. Because not all you do is selling stuff. What what you do is also building a brand, you know, being being seen as legit, and and all these different things. And it's okay to pursue all these goals. And you need to be clear about what is the goal of this post and that post, and what is the goal of my presence on Twitter. Maybe what you do on Twitter is just for 
um, uh, recognition and for and for brand awareness. And and what you do on LinkedIn is going to be mostly to sell because I don't know you sell if you sell to a B two B audience. Uh, you're probably going to be very focused on that on LinkedIn and trying to to reach them on LinkedIn and build that audience around your page on LinkedIn because you know that's where they hang out or at least that's where that's where you can identify them through LinkedIn advertising and then create the audience around that. Um, if you go on TikTok, there's probably no way for you to know are they B two B marketers or are they not? I don't know. I'm on TikTok. I have no clue. I can't figure it out. So I'm just going to use TikTok for another purpose. Maybe that's if that's what you want to do. And then you're going to measure it differently. So it's it starts with what, what how do I get visible, and then it it follows by what is my actual purpose and my actual goal on this one and on this one platform and 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 with this one post, and then you get the measurement um, uh, accordingly. Because if you if you try to measure business impact and revenue on a platform where you're never going to sell anything because this is not your audience and or this is not your final customer. Uh, you're wasting your time. So it, it's important to know why you're measuring what you're measuring, but uh, but you still need to measure something. Yeah, because you showed, when we when we talk, spoke previously, you showed me how you, in the dashboard, you can see clicks from social posts yep. and then see revenue generated from yep. that, right? So you can literally totally. see the you know monetary ROI um, if that is indeed the purpose of the post, how does that work? Do, do you have some tracking code that people put on their website? Oh, we rely on GA4. So we right. we looked at what is the analytics software that most of the world is using, and most nice. of the world is using Google Analytics uh, because it's free and it's very efficient and yeah. uh, and it's very comprehensive. And um, we plugged with it. We 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 you can install the through their API or Google Analytics integration. And through GA4, we actually know where the traffic that is converting on your site is coming from. And um, what you had before Agora Pulse is you would you would be able to see that oh that revenue came from Facebook or that um, um, uh, download of an ebook came from Instagram or or, or Twitter and, and that conversion of any kind came from whatever. But you didn't have more than the social network uh, yeah. it came from. And that was nice, uh, but once you know that, what do you do about it? How do you improve or how do you change your behavior on those platforms? Well, you can't because you don't know exactly what led to that. If you know that this kind of content or it's when I'm having conversations in direct messages that I'm I, I'm creating conversions, if you cannot know, cannot have that level of granularity of where is it coming from, then you cannot allocate your resources correctly or better allocate your resources. And that's, that's what we brought to this. Just to give you a very simple example. Uh, we have one customer who never put any links in, in their, in their Facebook post. never, ever. Their Facebook posts are all about high quality content about disease and, 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 and health issues uh, that people who have those health issues are very interested in and are very passionate about. And that's when the conversation is starting in the comments that they put the link. It's, oh, by the way, here's the link to the the medication that we have. Like we have a plant-based medication that you can buy if you're interested. And that goes in the conversation in the comment. And they do the same thing on Instagram. They're actually very, very successful on Instagram. The whole Instagram post, which is usually mostly stories, is about the the, the health issue, the symptoms, how you identify them, how you differentiate that from other health issues and and and, and the consequences and this and that. So all the content itself is based on information that's high value for the reader. Yeah. And at the end they say if you want if you want to learn more about how you can cure this or how you can alleviate the the impact of those symptoms, um, you know, message us. We'll, we'll we'll let you know. And then through the messaging comes the link where yeah oh i'm very much interested i have the exact symptoms i've been suffering for this for years you know i'd love i'd love your help i'd love your insights would you you know how can you help and then the message back says hey here's you know here's a product you can try it's 25 dollars blah 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 mm. and and the and they click on the link and they buy the product and all their instagram revenue comes from links in direct messages that wow. are triggered from a story so when you think about it, if you put if if you keep posting stuff, well, first you can post link on Instagram. You you know that, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that wouldn't work. But if if all your strategy on social media is is just you know stupid links everywhere, no, yeah. it's not going to work. But if you start by providing value and then through the conversation you send them the the to the 
to the, the place where you can actually solve their problem, then you can track it. And that's, and that business in particular, the new social media was working for them, but they didn't know exactly what, and now they know exactly what, and they can do more of that. Yeah, and um, that's all about proving to people that we're more than just the sort of um, department that messes around on Facebook with memes and emojis yeah. and stuff, right? <laughs> True. Um, which is good. Um, well, do you believe in the existence of what people refer to as vanity metrics, or are they all important? That depends. What's a vanity metric? Well, I, I suppose some people talk negatively about this idea of vanity metrics and they usually mean followers mm-hmm. maybe they sometimes mean reach and, and views video views things that look good and boost a brand's vanity and make them look like they're doing well but ultimately are seen as not really bringing any business value so sometimes yeah. they're talked about in a negative way but um do you think that's true or do you think all, all metrics matter and say something yeah, no, not all metrics matter for sure. Yeah, you mentioned two of them, which one of which uh, matter less than the other. Followers matter less than reach, mm. just because not all your followers will see your things and, mm. and, and your and your content. But at the same time, if you have no followers, <laughs> nobody will see your things, so there will be no reach. So you you cannot ignore any of them, but you certainly should not. Um, value them those those quote-unquote vanity metrics for more than what they are and they are just the starting point so they are not the destination let me um, give you one example i've had recently with my own marketing team so we've we've had um we've done a lot of marketing activities in q4 and and our marketing activities are supposed to create sales pipeline that's because b2b marketing that's what we do sales pipeline is the blood of the business Mm -hmm. And uh, it did not create the sales pipeline that we were aiming for, and lots of lots of initiatives failed. And the metrics were great because the attendees to the online events were very high. Uh, the viewers of whatever was was decent and positive, and so we had a lot of metrics that they cared about and they looked at that were really good. <clears throat> but the problem we had is they didn't look at the next metric. So mm. let me explain. Uh, we did run an online event in December, 3,000 attendees. That's a great number for attending an online event, isn't it? Yeah, really. Only good. 13% actually attended. Is that a great number? No, it's not. Um, out of those who attended, almost none or very few were qualified as marketing qualified lead for our business, MQL. And MQL mm. is a very clear definition for us. It's a uh, certain size of business, it's a certain geography. So if you're in Western Europe or in North America, you are an MQL. If you're, um, I don't know, in, in, in Bali, you're not an MQL because Indonesia is not our, our target market. So all these definitions make you or make, make or don't, doesn't make you an MQL for our business. And when, you, when we looked at that and we went down to what matters to us, what matters to us was not good, but the top number was amazing. So... Is it is 3,000 attendees to an online event vanity? Yes, if the number of MQL is 10. Is yeah. it vanity? No, if the number of MQL is 300. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the way you define vanity will really depend on, do you understand what's, what's the first layer of the number and then the second layer and then the third layer and then the fourth and the fifth to get to the bottom line of what really is what you're looking for? And you cannot get what you're really looking for by doing no vanity number in the first place. You cannot be an amazing brand if you don't have 100 million followers in the first place. So you need the followers and then you need to reach them and then you need to reach the right ones and then you need to convert them into something that you can qualify that is exactly what you're looking for for the benefit of your business. And that's where vanity can be a good thing or a horrible thing if you if you don't do the entire work around it <laughs> yeah i suppose i suppose you could call them empty metrics right yeah. so how empty they are right and yeah. your 3000 turned out to be not completely but quite Too empty little. yeah not enough yeah. not um, enough based on the work that you've invested yeah. in that in that event and that marketing asset i remember a very good friend of mine who who, who used to be probably still is a bit but a lot less than before and one of the top French influencers on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And um, he had an agency at the time, a growth agent, marketing, growth marketing agency. And um, 
um, it, it told me at one point, I got crazy with the LinkedIn game. I was so good at optimizing for the algorithm that each of my posts got thousands of likes mm. and, and hearts and hundreds of comments and stuff like that. But until the day I realized that this was a great ego boost, but very little of that was coming to my business eventually. Yeah. And he, he gave up on that. Early. I'm not going to name name, but because it, it's a, it was a private conversation. But he, he gave up on that. So for him, that LinkedIn influencer status was vanity because he yeah. did not convert into enough business or at least not the business he wanted to convert into. And and you you have your vanity. I have my vanity. It's, it's for you and I to define. I'm going to look at this, but from a distance and I'm not going to pay too much attention to it because I know that in itself, that thing is not enough. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting that I have noticed over more recent years, some influencers on varying platforms kind of just quitting. And it always seems a bit odd because it's like, God, you've got like 2 million subscribers on YouTube or something. But oh. I think that there does come a point where some people realize that um, for them personally, perhaps the value, all the ultimate value when it drills down just isn't quite there. Yeah. Um, it is interesting. Um, there's a cost. It's, it's costly to maintain. It's, yeah, exactly. It is a cost. You have it's to not, create content, you have yeah. to answer the comments, you have to be present. Yeah. I mean, there is definitely a cost to being a star on on social network as a business or as a person. Yeah. Do you want yeah. to pay the price of that? And the answer is yours. I mean, but but there is a price. Yeah, true. Um, you know, you must have you must be privy to what social media marketers are doing and doing with your platform. I'm curious, what success strategies have you observed? being executed through your platform or just generally in social media marketing at the moment? Yeah, the ones that are the most successful are the ones that either already have an existing active engaged community. Those are successful. It's, it's like if your business is going up and to the right, you can be a bad marketer, you're still going to be very successful. So <laughs> those who already have an engaged community, whatever they right. do, they're successful. Those who do, do not already have an engaged community, they have to be very creative with all the differences and the, with all the complexity, if I put it this way. So if you take that, that, that customer I mentioned earlier, um, they had to be creative with stories leading to private message on, met, on, on, on Instagram. And then they had to be creative with, with con posts that led to comment in, threads in the comments on Facebook. So they could not rely on, let's throw stuff there in the post and see what happens. They had to, okay, what are the different um, um, uh, content types that we can use that the platform is offering us? How can we tweak them to get to get something new out of them, to get something um, that that is not going to be the common way of using the platform, but like a, a hack, a hacked way of using the platform that's going to give us what we need. So it's either the community was there super engaged and it's they're just surfing the wave and it's easy for them and good for them, or it's not and they have to be creative with leveraging the the tools that the platform offered to, offer to them. But apart from that, it's either it's either the community makes me win because it's there, or I have to work really hard and be really smart about how I leverage the platform to make it work for me. Uh, but there's no middle ground. There's no nobody's winning by not working hard or not already having mm -hmm. something super engaged. But, you know, like mm -hmm. look at web and SEO and, and, and you're, if you start a website today or a blog today, same thing, you know, you either already have an audience or an email list and you're going to drive all that email list to your blog and you're going to, you're going to have success because they love what you write and they're going to be very excited about what you do. Or you don't, and you're going to have to be very, very freaking creative to make people go come read your blog because it's 2024. There are already a bazillion of them, and 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 you're on 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 the kind of content you write and the kind of tactics that you pick to drive traffic to that blog or that website. You're going to have to work really hard and be really creative. Social networks are no different. There's no miracle happening there. It is true, though, isn't it? People often miss that part of like the equation, and it is an equation. It's like. Um you know that old saying, the product is the marketing, or actually there's a better saying from Jeff Bezos. It's something like advertising is the cost of not having a remarkable product. Yeah. <laughs> right? And it's true. You know, mm. it, it, when we people use these case studies of like great social media marketing, but they're by brands that have an inherently interesting product. That If you just mm. put that product on a table in a public space, people mm. would just flock to look at it anyway. There you are. Yeah. And you're right. If you're selling like insurance or washing powder or something mm. like that, 
then yeah, the 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 formula has to be weighted differently because this value is really low in interestingness, inherent interestingness. Yeah. So you have to go really big on the creativity, and I think we do. If you're uh, an insurance, there's no way you can succeed on social networks. Let's right. put it simply. Uh, you you'll you'll have then you have to go on the creative way. How creatively can I be present on social networks? It is not through an insurance product. Nobody cares. So what can I do? And then usually what you see what they do. They start supporting charities. They, they have side projects that become a good reason to go on social networks or a sponsor or sell boat or whatever that's going to be. But yeah. they're, so that's where I say creativity and hard work is the only way to get around. But um, um, that, that, that is the only way to get around. You cannot succeed yeah. doing the regular stuff as an insurance on Facebook. <laughs> Nobody's going to care. No. Even for us, it's, it's the same. We're a B2B, a B2B marketing technology company. Very few people care about what we do. Obviously, marketers and social media managers hopefully care a little bit about what we do, but it does take hard work. And, and we don't have a super active community that is waiting for us to give us success. We have to work really hard to create successful um, presence on, on digital and, and, and social media being part of, of digital uh, as well. Yeah. It's time to get your crystal ball out. What do you think the social? What do you think the future of social media marketing looks like? Where's it headed? It's not heading to more simplicity. No. <laughs> so it's it's heading to more complexity for sure. Um, I don't think any social platform is going to die, so they're all going to mm -hmm. stay there. Uh, but more are going to pop up, or like we said earlier, you know review site or reviews our social media as well. You know, one can argue TripAdvisor is a social network. Yeah. Uh, G2 Crowd, if, you've, if, you, if you're in the software business, G2 is a platform where people review software. It is a social network as well. So that is definitely not going anywhere and it's getting, it, 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 it is going to offer more and more options and more and more features and more and more uh, content types. So the complexity is going to keep growing. Yes, we can um, really count on that. That's what my... about sort of content types and, you know, the, the, the sort of what a social media market is going to be doing? You know, how, how do you see that changing? What, what I, I'm very bad at predicting anything anyway, but. We all what, are, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> what I think um, we are heading into is, and you can see that with TikTok, is it's less and less edited. It's more and more raw and mm -hmm. real. It's more and more human in a way. Yeah. And I see that um, being probably the, the biggest direction for the future. Like instead of having a super nicely edited video of the CEO doing the annual meeting shareholders announcement or whatever, with you know, $20,000 of agency editing and special effects and whatever, it's just going to be the CEO after he brushed her, she brushed her teeth saying, Hey guys, this morning I woke up and I thought our company should go in the right, to the right and not to the left. And I'm letting yep. you know, maybe I'll change my mind tomorrow, whatever. Like you, you won't do that if you're a publicly listed company because you're not allowed to. But I, I see a lot of let's go and be real. And, and whoever we are, product managers, engineers, marketers, salespeople, CEOs, CMOs, you know, let's, um, let's, um, be who we are, share what we have. And I'm, that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. And, uh, and I think it's, um, it, it, it helps closing the gap between your audience. So oh, he's like me, he brushes his teeth as well yeah, <laughs> in the morning true. or he has coffee. So I, I, I expect more of that. Look, when you look at what happens on YouTube with the creators, it's, it's, it's a bit like that. I follow yeah. a lot of YouTube channels from a lot of creators who are sailors because I love sailing. Oh. And uh, yes, they have drones and they have, we have a lot more tools in 2024, even as individuals that we can use to make our video look good. And we do a little, little bit of editing and here you are. Mm. But I see more and more of that uh, and less and less of look the brand, the branded content. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think there's definitely a, uh, you know, even big brands now are using creator content as their foremost yep. ad creative mm -hmm. ahead of their glossy ads, particularly in places like TikTok and Instagram. On, but on TikTok, it works much better. 
If, yeah. you, if you go on those, TikTok and your TikTok ad looks like it was done by your neighbor, it works well. If you yes. look at a TikTok ad, it, was, it looks like it was done by Publicis and it cost 100,000K, 100K. <laughs> everybody's going to see it coming from a mile away. So oh, that's an ad. Uh. <laughs> you can see it in the top ads. You can go and look at the top ads list in yeah. TikTok Creative Center in and the ads library and you very can very homemade. much see that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's all homemade, the best stuff. Mm. Um, interesting. Uh, well, look, let's close out with the final question. So it's some version of the question we ask all our guests. Um, I know you didn't prepare for this. Don't worry about it. But just off the top of your head, mm. what five or so tips do you have for our listeners for as soon as this episode ends, going and just setting themselves up for better social media measurement? Number one, that's the one I already shared, but I'm going to repeat because it's my fine. Job- I keep telling people my job as a CEO is repeat, 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 repeat until you're so sick of repeating yourself and <laughs> you want to throw up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so advice number one is understand the cascade of metrics, like we said earlier with the vanity metrics. You know what is what what should be on the top? Who follows me? What should comes next? Who actually sees me from those who follow me? What should come next? Who matter in those who see me? Like and 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 understand each step of what you're measuring and how they play with each other, how they play along. Like if, oh, if I don't have anybody following me, then I cannot have anybody seeing me, then I cannot have anybody buying from me or coming to my website. So understand that and um, do not um, give more weight to that they deserve. Like don't overweight the followers because if that's all you measure and all you look at, then you're going to be disappointed in the end. So that's advice number one. <laughs> advice number two is... Um, something I've repeated a lot is measuring the business impact like um, you could do with us uh, or you could do with anything that measure, you know, website conversions and website traffic and and revenue uh, with your analytics software is not going to measure and capture all the value that you're creating with your marketing. Some of your marketing is here to to create demand and not to capture demand. Let me explain that. Capturing demand is you want to buy my stuff you go online and you search for my stuff. I'm going to be, I'm going to make sure I'm present before your eyes when you yeah. search for my stuff online. That's going to be Google Ads, SEO, referrals, being present in the right forums, the right software review if it's me selling software. So that's capturing demand, right? There is always between three and eight percent of a market that is actually looking for your solution, and you need to capture them. That's one thing. And that's where you measure revenue directly created and the traffic that goes to your product and so on and so forth. You're very, very bottom of the funnel and measuring the actual impact on the bottom line. And then there is creating demand. Creating demand is for the 15, 20, 25% of the market that is not looking for your product. But if you explain to them that they have a problem and they relate with the problem and that they see your solution, your, what you do is a solution to that problem, you may create demand. So that's why we call demand gen, demand generation. Mm-hmm. And that you measure slightly differently because you, you, you are not guaranteed, you're not capturing demand. You're not capturing someone who already knows. So what you yeah. want to see, what you want to see here is you want to measure how many people were exposed to my message, to my content, to what I said, making sure that the message, the content, and what you said was actually triggering demand. If if that message and that content was about, I don't know, let's take my example, and I, I do a message about how to create an amazing pin on Pinterest, that has nothing to do with the problem I solve. I don't solve the problem of creating amazing pins on Pinterest. That's on you. I'm going to help you post them on Pinterest and then measure and then this and then that. So that content about creating amazing pins on Pinterest is not going to generate demand. It's going to generate global general awareness about the fact that I exist and I help you Mm. be better on Pinterest. And maybe one day if you have demand and I need to capture it, you'll think about me and blah, blah, blah. What you're measuring when you capture demand, when you generate demand, and when you do awareness are three different things. And so you have to really understand what measurement you're going to use for each different activities. So that's the second, that's the yep. second uh, tip. The, the third is, and it's really related to what we do in measuring social media ROI or measuring ROI, digital ROI anywhere. It does not necessarily apply only to social media. You're not measuring everything. 
there, a lot of things are going to happen um, uh, in behind closed doors. There is word of mouth. There is what people close, call um, dark social, like, you know, recommendation, sharing a post on LinkedIn, screenshotting a post on LinkedIn and sending it via email to someone else. That is what we call dark social that used to be called word of mouth before. All of that is not going to be trackable because there will be no pixel. There will be no link. There will be nothing technically that allows to track, track it. I'm totally aware of that. I understand that. But... What people tell you when they don't want to measure anything and they tell you, yeah, you should, you know, it's not worth measuring because most of that stuff is happening behind closed doors. <laughs> and and the, the expression I usually uh, tell them is, uh, I understand that when you're measuring conversion and traffic and, and, and revenue coming from a direct click link from a place, one place to your, your place, to your website and to where you convert your audience. You're only measuring the tip of the iceberg because there's there's yeah. a whole iceberg underneath the water where word of mouth, dark social, all these things are happening. But if you're not measuring the tip, if you're not seeing any tip, you're probably <laughs> not having any iceberg under the surface of the water. Sure. I uh, Part of my French, I tell them, if there's no tip, there's probably no fucking iceberg. <laughs> that's what I keep telling them. <laughs> so that's tip number three. Do not give up on measuring the tip of the iceberg because if you see a tip, there's probably a bigger iceberg underneath it. And that, at least you get nice. the indication of that. So that would be my third tip. Um, and my, my, I, if I go to a fourth tip, my fourth tip is before you measure, start think about, you need something to measure to measure, right? If you, if you have nothing to measure, then why, why bother and, and worry about measuring anything? So before you measure, think about what can you do that will make people feel like, wow, what Will is saying today is really interesting. I want to. I want to subscribe to Will. I want to. I want to learn more from Will. I want to pay Will to teach me. I want, how do you make people react that way? And once you figure that out, then the measurement becomes a thing. If you've not figured that out, then so don't. In French, with this weird expression, don't put the the um, what you carry before the the, the carrier. Don't put the cart before the horse. Yeah, don't put the cart before the horse. That's exactly what it is. Except for us, it's not horse. It's uh, it's um, uh, buffalo, buffaloes, or something. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and and that's that's very true in that in that in that in that context. You 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 can only measure when you have something to measure. And in the early days of our startup, I was not measuring anything. I I, I remember yeah. um, sharing that on a podcast. I was. Seven years ago, it was in 2014 or something. We were very small. I said, okay, what's your framework for measuring? I said, I don't measure anything. I don't care. I, I, we're, we're 10 people or 12 people. We're a very, very small team at the time. I said, we're super small. I don't even have the bandwidth to configure yeah. correctly my analytics software. Today, I have five people working in my data department, so I can't do that kind of stuff. But at the time, I didn't. And I said, I only care about how do I wow people. If I wow people, something good will happen, and then I'll have stuff to measure, and then I'll start measuring. Mm -hmm. So it, it also relates to me and my personal story as, a, as an entrepreneur. In the early days, I was not worrying about measuring. I was worrying about creating the uh, having the impact on people so they 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 felt i was they thought i was interesting and they wanted to learn more from me it's a good point that uh, yeah so just an interesting point to pull out you said that you know if 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 i'm trying to wow people i'm trying to make people think yeah wow will's the man i want to ultimately pay him to come in and do some um, workshops in our company what would be the way that i would measure that that's a really good question to ask like what mm. Because it's something we we don't always ask that we sort of just default to the usuals yeah. of web traffic and clicks from here to there and all that kind of thing. So I, um, I, like I that see idea. two things you can do. The number one thing is is listen to the uh, the uh, how do you call that the weak signals. Like like do you, mm. he, do you what do you hear from people? Like you do you do this this podcast right? Mm. You obviously do this podcast for a reason, and. and yeah. And you do this, this podcast because you feel that this podcast is going to bring value to the audience. And I want to bring value to the audience. If the audience gets value by listening to my podcast, right. I'm going to benefit from that. They're going to feel I'm smart or I invite smart people yeah. and they want, they will be want, wanting to work for me. Yeah. So one thing you can do, you can look at um, the reviews or you can mm. distribute the podcast to people you trust and who trust you and say, okay, this is my latest podcast episode. What do you think? Please. Yeah. Or real, like, do you think this guy Emmerich was saying anything interesting, or do you think it was full of full of shit and there was nothing really interesting, and I didn't learn anything? 
And and I I do that all the time. Ask for feedback all the time about what we do, and I look at weak mm. signals of you know what do people actually say behind closed doors, and what do people yeah. I trust and who trust me who will tell me the truth say about the quality of the content, and I keep iterating on that, and it's it's iterate iterate, keep working, keep asking for feedback. Why wasn't it good? What could have I done to make it better? There is no chance on earth that your first podcast episode is going to be amazing. Your first podcast episode is probably so-so. And then you get to the 10th and the 100th and the 200th and and you get better and better and better because you ask for feedback and because you you make sure that what you create is actually valuable and you've learned through mm. those hundreds of podcast episodes, this works, this doesn't. This kind of guest puts my audience on fire that kind of guest, they don't, they don't care. So I, sh I should only invite this kind of guest and talk and about. It's true of social media that you know, if you look at accounts that are doing well on LinkedIn or TikTok or wherever, they're only getting into their stride when they're like past their hundredth post, right? Absolutely. And it's that, it's that starting and being kind of crap, mm. uh, that that kind of crap that you have to churn out at the beginning that that puts a lot of. Um, companies off joining new platforms or trying new formats but you know the reassurance I always give people is no one's looking you know in those first in those early days no one's looking anyway so just sort yeah. of get that all out of your system and you know hard work hard work to learn wh what's going to make that what's going to create that and it's, it is and be prepared that it's not going to happen in the first in the first attempt it's going to take time and I, I would add just one thing do that about something you're passionate about you can yeah. you can feel I'm passionate about the topics I'm talking about. I mm. I really care about them. They're really important to me. If you don't, if you're not passionate enough, you're not gonna you're not gonna do the one hundredth episode. It's true. <laughs> you're, you're not gonna carry on because it's gonna be oh my god, I have to record another podcast <laughs> episode today. What a mess! I don't want to do that. So yeah. if the topic excites you and put puts the fire in your belly, you're gonna keep doing and you're gonna be willing to improve and you'll have the energy to share your energy and your and your optimism and your passion for what you what you what you share in the content and to keep going and to keep providing value again and again and again and that's mm. the key there are too many marketers who don't give a shit about what they're doing and and you can feel that and it it it's it's not good for them but it's not good for the audience either so it doesn't work it's very true that it's good 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 thought to end on there definitely <laughs> it's been really good to talk to you fascinating you. we've learned a lot i'm sure our listeners have too just I tell people so. where they can find and connect with you online oh, they, they can find me on linkedin uh emric or new e-r-n-o-u-l-t m-e-m-e-r-i-c and uh uh, I always respond uh, favorably to LinkedIn invites when you say, hey, I heard you there or I saw you there. When there's no cool. note in the invitation, I get probably 25 or 35 a day. I, I ignore them because otherwise I will have a bunch of strangers on my LinkedIn network. Sure. So just tell me, hey, I, I, I enjoy listening to you on Podcast X and, and those I accept because I say, hey, thank you for um, uh, going the extra mile and sending me an invite. Cool. And I'm I help, sure I'm happy to help people as well. So if you have any question and you want to ask ask the right. question there, happy to indulge and uh, spend five minutes for you. Thanks, Emmerich. I appreciate that. That's great. Well, thanks very much again. I hope cool. to chat to you soon. Thank you, Will. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about transforming your marketing career through certified online training, head to digitalmarketinginstitute.com. Thanks for listening.